Hey there. Thank you so much for checking out this message with us at Believer's Chapel. Our prayer is that you have a genuine experience with God and that you're able to connect with him in a deeper way as a result of listening to this message. Thank you again. God bless you. Thank you for your faithfulness. So today, you ready? We're going to preach about hell, right? So we can't just preach about the good things in the Bible, right? Like heaven and love. Everybody wants to hear about grace because we need it, right? Could you preach on mercy? Just preach on mercy every time, right? That'd be a lot easier. Or love. How much, how, tell me how much God loves me. Well, you really can't know how much God loves you until you know how much he saved you from. And I want to preach today on what the Bible calls, uh, talks about a lot. In fact, Jesus himself, if you read your scriptures, if you read what Jesus said, spoke a lot more about hell than he did about heaven. And so uh, we like to ignore this topic. We don't want to face this topic. But we're going to preach about it today and get into the word of the Lord today. So again, um, Pastor Bethany and Kaysen, thank you guys. You guys are a good cop. I'm going to be a bad cop today. Um, and we're going to get right into this. But I want to just propose this, that Jesus, if you read through the scriptures, the main idea about hell is this. Jesus does not want you to go there. He does not want you to go to hell. So I just want you to get that in your brain. I want you to know that. He does not want you to go to hell. But the thing about hell is that, number one, it is real. It is a real place. The Bible says it like this. Jesus says it like this. He says, I shared this a couple weeks ago when I last preached. It says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell in hell. We know that Jesus spoke more about hell, explained it more, and was very, uh, explained it uh, in so many different ways. And so I want to just talk about a few of those things that what Jesus talked about concerning hell. Now, before I get a little bit more into this, I do want to just say, um, (laughs) that was a youth pastor uh, for many years, almost 20 years. I loved actually preaching about hell. In fact, the last week of October, we would always do Hell Week. And we would do a whole service just on this topic. And I would bring out all the things that I could. I remember one time we pretended that we were having a funeral service and that somebody had died. We had a hearse outside and um, we had a casket. And all the kids that came to youth group, we had like 150 kids at the time. And they would come in and they were like, what's going on here? I was like, hey, this person died. Um, they, it, it was fake. It was, we just, it was all staged. But we just pretended, you know, like all these kids came in and they're like, um, you know, we're, <laughs> it's hell week. They should have known, but they didn't. And so, um, you know, we did a stage funeral and, and this girl was up in this casket faking being dead. And um, then she gets up and says, why did you tell me about hell? And all the kids are like, oh my gosh, you know, like <laughs> this guy to come back from life, this girl. Anyway, we had like the funeral director there and everything. And and I love to, like, do things like preaching on hell. I made a video one year on it. We did a hell house one time where we did, like, the realities of, of heaven and hell and just different things. And, and, and so, really, this topic is one that I, I spoke on a lot when I was a youth pastor. And, you know, Jesus spoke on it a lot. But since I've been a pastor, I've never spoken on it. And so you're going to hear some things. I want you to realize that this is all from the Scripture. In fact, I'm going to just read some Scripture to you right now about what Jesus says that hell will be like, all right? He describes it in great detail. He says it's a place in Luke chapter 16. He says it's a place of eternal torment, of an unquenchable fire, 
where it does not ever go out, right? Unquenchable. And where the worm does not die, where people gnash their teeth in anguish and regret in Matthew 13, Jesus says. It's a place where there's no return. You can't go from there to anywhere else. You're trapped in there forever. It's once you get there, it is, that's it. He calls it a place, Jesus does, of outer darkness. He compares it to uh, Gehenna, which is actually, in Israel, was the trash dump where it was constantly on fire and where it burned nonstop and maggots abounded. This is what Jesus describes hell as. He talks again about it more about heaven and describes it more vividly than he does heaven. There's no denying through, if you read the scriptures, that Jesus knew, believed, and warned us about the absolute reality of hell. He didn't play around with this. He was serious about it because Jesus did not want anyone then to go to hell. And he said the same thing today. Jesus does not want anyone to go to hell. We know that, so that hell is real. It's a place of torment and that it's forever. In Luke 16, it talks about that there's an eternal fire. In Revelation 20, verses 15, it says that anyone's name who is not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So here it describes this lake of fire, right? So in our minds, when we think of hell, a lot of times we go back to our cartoons. Remember the Saturday morning cartoons? And we think of this place where the devil has this pitchfork and he's laughing, he's having fun, and he's like throwing people into uh, hell and tormenting them. And a lot of times it's kind of funny. But to Jesus, this wasn't a comedy. He did not laugh about this. He didn't take this lightly. He was, every time in these scriptures, it was a serious thing to warn people that you don't have to go to hell. That you shouldn't go to hell. That I came to save those that were lost. That, and he says, it's not God's will that anyone should perish. But all have eternal life. But he came to warn people, you don't have to go here. This place of eternal punishment is what we all deserved because of our sin. It's a place where uh, it was made by God for torment for the devil and his angels. And they will all, those demons will be thrown there one day. But so will all those that continue to follow the devil that do not receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so God, Jesus came to rescue us from that torment. He came to rescue us from that path that we were once on. And he came to say, you don't have to go there. Yeah, um, yesterday or Friday, I mean, in our uh, crew, we have a crew, um, and it's mostly for teenagers, and I was just asking, what, what's a good reason for us to know God? And... Um, you know, uh, a couple of people said, like, Dave's whole joke is there. He's like, oh, protection. And I think there's a couple other things that came up. But then Eric, um, my son, said, um, well, so we don't have to go to hell. <laughs> I think, like, oh, yeah, that's a really good one. Like, Jesus came to save us and rescue us from eternal punishment, from hell. Now, some people will argue and say, well, is hell really a real place? How could a loving God send people to such a horrible place? I think that's the wrong question. The fact of the matter is that, again, when we do what's wrong, when we sin, we're all sinners, it separates us from God. And because of that, we can't be with God. And because of that, we set ourselves on a trajectory towards hell. 
But because of God's great love for us, he sent Jesus to come and die on the cross to, to take the place for all the sins that we did and forgive us from them so that we don't have to be on that trajectory to hell anymore. So to save us from it so that we could go and have eternal life with him forever in eternity in heaven. That's a pretty good exchange, isn't it? It's a pretty good deal for us. But we have to receive it. The other thing is, um, there's a great quote. I want to read this to you. It's from Mike Livingston. It says, um, in, in a book called What Did Jesus Say About Hell? He says, are these vivid images of hell Jesus talks about literal or figurative? If they were meant to be figurative, then the imagery is pointing beyond what human language can convey. In other words, hell, if not a literal fire and literal darkness, is immeasurably worse than those images inexpressibly worse than we can even imagine or describe. As heaven is more wonderful than our finite minds can comprehend, hell is more horrible than we can comprehend. So whether these uh, scriptures are literal or figurative, hell is worse than them, is what he's saying. Just like uh, Bethany and Kaysen got to talk about heaven last couple weeks and how it's better than we can even imagine. I'm saying in the same measure that hell is worse than we can imagine. Our founding pastor, I just found out this this morning. Uh, who just told me this this morning, just sitting here in the pew? Um, pastor Paul, um, who was it? Who, who, said, who told me the story? Oh, Dan did. Dan Huffer, yes. Thank you, Dan. He told me that one time, Pastor Paul, our founding pastor, Paul Wagner, um, asked God to give him a vision of hell. And he did. God gave him a vision and he said that it was far worse and detrimental than he could ever imagine. In fact, it put him on a new trajectory of pe pe preaching with such passion and desperation to get people to not have to go there. And uh, that's what this, this quote says, is that it's worse than we can imagine. In Isaiah 66, I think I have the scripture here. Um, Isaiah 66, 24, it says this. It says, and they'll go out and look and what happened and those who rebelled against me corpses, maggots endlessly eating away on them. This is in the Bible, guys. An endless supply of fuel for fires. Everyone who sees what's happened and smells the stench, wretches. Uh, this is just a picture of death and, and a picture of hell. Um, I want to just give one more story on what hell might be like. This was actually from, I heard, I don't know if you guys, many of you guys don't know this, maybe you do, but I did an internship when I was 18 years old, and part of it was with David Wilkerson in Times Square in New York City, and back in the 80s, <laughs> he was known as the hellfire and brimstone preacher, David Wilkerson. He changed later in, in his life, and kind of, the pendulum kind of went more towards mercy and grace later, but in the 80s, it was all about hellfire and brimstone, get right or burn, pretty much, is what he'd preach. And it worked. A lot of people got saved in Times Square Church. And uh, I was able to do a t uh, um, an internship there for part of my year. And I remember this story that he would give about what hell could be like. And he would say that, you know, we have a mind. We could, keep, we could remember things. And he talked about this time where hell is going to be this place where Yes, there's going to be torment, and yes, it's going to be horrible and hot, and, but the biggest, the worst thing about it 
is that there is no more hope. There's no a way out. There's, it's trapped. And in this time, you may you know, start to imagine or dream, if you will, the times when you remembered that you were back on earth and the chances that God gave you to come back and get things right with him again. And in your mind, you may remember this time, even like maybe you remember this very day, August, what's today? August 7th of 2022. You re may remember in a, a million years from now, this time, or even a thousand years from now, you may remember this time while you're in hell, uh, this time where this pastor was preaching about hell. And in your mind, uh, you're thinking, oh, maybe I have another chance here because you can't really tell if it's real or not. And you're thinking or you're dreaming, and you remember the time when this pastor gave you the opportunity to get your life right with Jesus. And in your real life, you didn't respond. You just kind of pushed it aside and said, I'll have another day to do it. I'll have another opportunity to do it. I'll wait till tomorrow. But this time, because you know the realities of hell and because you're in it, this time when it gets to the part where the pastor says, hey, why don't you uh, ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins or come up to the altar, whatever. This time, you don't think twice about it. You run to the altar. And you're like, Jesus, please forgive me. I'm a sinner because now you know the realities of hell. And immediately, as soon as you go to start praying uh, that prayer, Lord, and bam, you're right back into hell again, woken up. Again and again and again. And different opportunities. When somebody said to you, hey, you know, I'm really concerned about your spiritual life right now. How you doing? And the thing is this, guys, that we don't want to talk about this. We don't want to preach about this. I don't mind preaching about it, but a lot of people don't want to preach about it. But the point of it is this, and why Jesus spoke about it at all, and why Jesus talks about these even horrible things that are going to happen in Revelation, is to warn us that we don't have to go there. His whole heart on sharing about hell isn't to kind of brag about it or to boast that, oh, you better get right. It's to warn us that you don't have to go there. I remember the guy that I interned with in Louisiana, his mom is a pastor, and she'd always say he, he was rebellious for a season in his life, and he went off and did all the things, partying and sleeping around and doing all these things, and his mom would always tell him, Danny, his name was Danny Duran, and he said, she would say, Danny, just don't miss heaven. Just don't miss heaven. And if I could say anything to you in this message today, if I could share the heart of God in this message today is the same thing. You don't have to go to hell. Don't miss heaven. We know clearly through these scriptures and Jesus' words that the only way to get to heaven is by a relationship with him, with Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. And because of that, all of us deserve hell. But because of Jesus and his love for us, and what he did on the cross for us, we can be saved from that damnation. And today, when there's opportunity in just a few minutes, I want to urge you to not take it lightly and to think, oh, this is just make-believe and this, this. This is, <laughs> there's nothing more truthful than this. This teaching, this preaching on heaven I mean, on hell, and these warnings of hell, or even if you read Revelation and the judgments that are going to happen in the end times, 
And even if you look around the world right now, what's happening? These pandemics or uh, this monkeypox thing or just, just the horrific, the wars that are going on. The Bible says that all these things are going to happen. And it says this as a warning to us to remind us that hell is real, that heaven is real, that the Bible is real. And it should be warning to us to pay attention and to, get, to, be, a, to be awoken. Is that the right word? Awakened. We should be woke. Wake up. This is real life. This is real. And the whole purpose of God's judgment isn't, isn't to scare people. It's to cause them to repent. The things that are going on in this world, the things that are going on in our society, the, 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 all the, the tragedies, all these different things, isn't God's necessarily just judgment happening on earth. It is God trying to wake people up and say, get with it. The end is coming. I remember being in New York City on September 11th, 2001. In the middle of Central Park when the first plane hit the World Trade Center. Then we came out and saw the commotion. Said, oh, let's go get on TV. There must be a TV show over here. Only to realize they were watching on Fifth Avenue how the first plane hit just a few miles away from where I was standing. I also remember when the second plane hit, and I remember being in my hotel room in Times Square when the towers fell. But what I remember most about September 11, 2001, is that night when myself, I think Missy might have been with me, some other people, we went to Times Square Church, the church I had interned at maybe 10 years earlier. And I had never seen people pray like I saw people pray that day in desperation. God help us. God forgive us. And for months after September 11, 2001, people all around this planet, churches were full. People were repenting. People were asking God, please forgive us. Please help us. When bad things happen, when things of judgment happen, I'm not saying that's a thing of judgment. Please don't take, put words in my mouth. But when, bad, when judgment things do happen, when bad things do happen, and when all these, these, these things uh, take place, they should cause us to get real and to, get, to be awakened that this is real life. There are bad things going on, and there is a heaven, and there is a hell. Don't miss heaven. In Second Peter... Chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Because some people say, well, God won't send me there. <laughs> Peter says it like this. He says, if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. Keep going. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Keep going. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And then he goes on about Lot and how he, and the point of Peter's message right here is, if we think that God won't do the same today, then God doesn't change. God made, gave us a way out, but he has a way of punishing the wicked, being just, but he also has a way of saving the righteous. 
He is able to rescue us and save us if we repent, if we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The thing about hell is that no one ever expects to go there. Never expects to be sent to hell. But the Bible is very clear that there's only one way to escape it. It's not by good works. It's not by being better than your neighbor. It's not by anything you can do. It's only because of what Jesus has already done. It's by receiving him. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 7. It's my last scripture. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. In other words, Jesus is saying, most people go this bad way. Most people go, go with the flow. Most people do what everybody else is doing. Most people don't know about me. Most people aren't repenting. In fact, John, the first chapter of John says, Jesus came into the world and the world that he created didn't even recognize him. In fact, his own people, it says it in First John, re rejected him. And then it goes on, people loved the darkness more than they loved this light called Jesus. And that's what we still have today. That most people go down this broad road. Most pe people go with everybody else. Most people go the way of the world, the way of sin, the way of selfishness, the way of, them, of what's easy. And then Jesus says, he says, many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Can I plead with you to be one of those that are the few that find Jesus? Would you please go against the flow? Would you stop trying to be like everybody else? We don't need any more sinners. We don't need any more people going just the way of the world. God is looking for people that will say, I want Jesus. He is enough. We just sang it. Are we singing lies or do we mean it? We must ask Jesus to help us and say, God, I'm sold out for you. I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't want to live like everybody else. I want you. Narrow is the road and few find it. There's quite a contrast here in these two roads. On one side, you have this road that is wide, and most people find it. Most people go this way. In fact, all of us were on it at one point. And the Bible says it leads to destruction. It leads to death. It leads to hell. But narrow is the road, and narrow is the gate, the small gate. In fact, there's only one gate, and his name is Jesus. He is the gate. And only a few find it. But you know, it's not because of his lack of effort. Because he sent his son Jesus, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. He gave us this word that is translated in all kinds of languages. He's given us preachers. He's given us grandparents. He's given us all these different people to say to us, hey, Jesus is the way. And it's not his lack of effort 
And by the way, he also has the Holy Spirit that prods our hearts, that speaks this truth to us and reminds us that this way is empty. And I'm still not satisfied, even though everybody else is doing it. Why am I still not satisfied? That's the Holy Spirit trying to tell you that there is a better way, there's a better path that leads to life. Even though if you find it, please be one of those few that find it. Find Jesus. Find the narrow way. Jesus does not want anyone to perish. He does not want anyone to go to hell. He does not want you to go to hell. He doesn't want your kids to go to hell. He doesn't want your family to go to hell. He doesn't want anybody you know. And this message, this warning, this me saying, hey, guys, if you keep going down this path, it's like there's a cliff ahead, and you're going to go down it, and on the other side of the cliff is hell. And you better stop going this way. Jesus is the only way. And if you continue to neglect this warning, if you, if you go around it, then you will reap the consequences of it. And Jesus did this over and over and over and over and over and over again. And he still says it over and over and over again every time I read this. And every time somebody preaches about it. And every time somebody's praying for your soul. Don't go that way. And I warn you today, as Jesus does, did in the scriptures, as Jesus still would today, you have free will. You can choose either way you want to go. But I plead with you, please pick Jesus. He rescued us. This message should do two things in your life. One, it should wake us up. That we can be saved from hell. And that we need to take Jesus and what he did seriously. We need to be more appreciative of what he did. For those of you that are on the narrow, God, thank you so much for rescuing me. It should also, like it did to Paul Wagner, our founding pastor, cause us to want to warn others. To not take this Christianity so lightly. To not be so flippant with it or lazy with it. But that we should get serious in our prayer life. We should get serious in our Bible reading. And we should get serious with what one of our three purposes as a church is. And that is sharing Jesus. There's no greater gift that you could give to people. You could buy them anything from around the world. But if you don't offer them Jesus, they've missed out on the greatest gift that you could ever share with them. Share Jesus. That's one of our purposes. What's one of our purposes? Share Jesus. Come on, everybody say it with me. Share Jesus. He is the gate that leads to eternal life. And only though a few find it, let's make sure a few hundred thousand people find it in this area. Amen? God, we just thank you for your word to us today. God, we thank you, God, that you came to save us from a life of destruction. You came to save us from an eternity of despair, of hopelessness in hell. And God, we repent today and say, God, we're sorry for the times we've taken this too lightly. We're sorry for not taking this so seriously. God, we ask that you would help us to know the realities of what's really going on behind the scenes here. If you're here today, you hear this message and you say, you know what, my life is not right with God. I am not on the straight and narrow. I'm not on this. I've never received Jesus as my Savior, meaning I've never received Jesus and asked him to forgive me for the things I've done wrong. I want to let you know something. 
Jesus loves you so much, the Bible says, that he gave his life and died on the cross to take your place for the sins that you committed so you don't have to pay for them. If that's you here today and you say, you know what, I need to receive that. I need to start this relationship with Jesus. I need to start this journey. I need to ask him to save me from the path that I'm going down right now. If that's you here in this place, with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, would you just lift your hand so I can see it? That's me. I need to get my life right with Jesus today. I see your hands. Who else? I need to get my life right with Jesus. I see your hands. Come on, I want everybody that you can put your hands down. I want you just to say this prayer with me. Everybody say this out loud. And even those of you, maybe you're in this place and, you know, you're not sure. <laughs> you can be sure. Say this prayer with me. Mean it from your heart. Jesus can hear you. God can hear you. And if you say this to him, he will do what he promised he would do. To come and be your Lord and Savior. To come and to wash all your sins and take them away. So that you will become his righteousness, being made, which means be right in the sight of God, that you can have a relationship with him. And all the things that you've ever done wrong are washed away so that you can be with a God that is perfect and holy. And that you can have eternal life. So come on, say this prayer with me all around this place. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for doing the wrong things, going my own way and going down the wrong path. Forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross and took my place for all the things I've done wrong. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for making me clean and forgiving me. I receive you as my Savior and Lord of my life. Come on, let's give it up for all those people that just did that in this place. I want to just encourage you that if you made that decision today, whether you raise your hand or not, to contact us. Let us know what happened. We'd love to help you with your relationship with God. This is a first step in this new path. You just opened that narrow gate and made that first step on this new path. And I want to encourage you, get around some people that can help you to get to know God. Learn how to read your Bible and to pray and to talk to God. He has a plan for your life, a purpose for you. He's got great things for your life, better than this path over here. So get with somebody around here. You can text his number, 315-444-2100, and just let us know. We'd love to talk to you. We'll text you back and help you with this journey with Jesus Christ. Would you stand on your feet? We're going to worship Jesus one more time. Thank you again for checking out this message. If you would like help taking your first steps on your faith journey, you can text the number 315-444-2100 and include the word Jesus in your text. We're going to follow up with you and help you get started. God bless you and thank you again.